0: nor did I know the awful news today of uh, Alton. Is it Alton in in Louisiana? So man, our world needs justice. We um, are so lacking, so lacking in justice. And it's interesting, um, uh, whenever we talk about attributes of God, justice is the one that nobody really wants to talk about. Um, And for some reason, I don't know, our generation loves talking about the love of God. We love just talking about love, 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 love. And I think that has a lot to do with the fact there's so little love in our society. Our society is growing increasingly angry um, and violent and and, and intolerant. Um, Even in our mass uh, emphasis that you be tolerant, it's only if you're tolerant of the things that society is tolerant of. If you are all outside or on the fringes of those tolerances, then we are very intolerant of you. And um, it's just, just the uh, racial lines are, are getting wider for some reason. I don't know they're getting stronger. We're getting further and further away from um, our, our 1950s history, but yet we're almost going back in some ways. I don't, I don't really understand the, just the racial, racial tension that's going on now. Um, but our, our, there's, there's not a lot of love in our culture, and so I think the the message of the love of God really does resonate with our culture because of just the bigotry and the hatred that's going on. And I understand that. um, But at the same time, I think sometimes we can get imbalanced and we we can only talk about God's love and not talk about God's justice. And so today, I want to talk about the justice of God because it's programmed within us to love justice. Like, we all have a longing for things to be right, for things to... For things to be fair. For things to be equal. We all have a longing for equity, as it says in Proverbs, throughout Proverbs. We have a longing for uh, what Scripture calls um, just scales. Uh, In other words, for stuff not to be rigged. For elections not to be rigged. We all have a longing for things to be as they appear. We all have a longing for things to be virtuous or just or uh, have integrity to them. Uh, whether we're talking about our buildings or our government systems or our family structures, we all have a longing for, for bad guys uh, to be punished and for good guys to be rewarded. And this is natural. This is, this is natural. It's because we were created in the image of God and because we were made for God. And God is just. God is perfectly just. God is totally just. And so I have a few scriptures here um, regarding his justice. A couple of slides um, just with multiple scriptures. I'm going to throw them up there. Uh, one is Isaiah um, sixty-one eight, for I the Lord love justice; I hate robbery in the burnt offering. In other words, uh, uh, I I hate dishonesty when people are worshiping. I will faithfully give them their reward or their recompense, and I will make an everlasting covenant with them. Job thirty-four twelve says, "Surely God will not act wickedly, and the Almighty will not pervert justice." Deuteronomy thirty-four or thirty-two four says, "The Rock." That's God. His work is perfect for all His ways are just. A God of faithfulness and without injustice. Righteous and upright is He. Uh, next slide, some more scriptures, Proverbs 11:1. A false balance is an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is His delight. A false balance is um, what I was talking about on Sunday, whenever people would come to pay for services or for goods. You take your, your silver or your, or your gold or your precious metal, you set it on a scale, and you see this is an ounce, and so you put it on a scale. Well, um, I talked about how, how the buyer could, could try to rig the system by gold plating a piece of rock or something. Well, also the seller could try to rig the system by adjusting his scale so that it wasn't entirely fair, so that your ounce actually equaled more like a half an ounce or something. And that's what God's saying. He says, I hate people who, who say one thing but live another. I hate that injustice. I hate that, that, that lack of integrity. A false balance is an abomination to the Lord. But a just way is his delight. He loves it. Psalm 99, 4, the strength of the king, that's a capital K, king, loves justice. You have established equity. You have executed justice and righteousness in Jacob. That, that is his people. Psalm 9, 7 through 8, but the Lord abides forever. He has established his throne for judgment. And he will judge the world in righteousness. He will execute judgment for the peoples with equity. Job 34 says, Who says to a king, worthless one, and to nobles, wicked ones, who shows no partiality to princes, nor regards the rich above the poor, for they are all the work of of his hands. I want to talk just a few, uh, just a few brief moments. I, I haven't, uh, obviously, it's a short week, so I haven't had time to perfect a perfect sermon here. But I, I just want to throw out some some thoughts for us to think about with regard to God's justice. Uh, number one, Scripture celebrates the justice of God. You can see here how he's he's frequently referred to as loving uh, justice and hating injustice. In fact, I was reading through um, some of Re- the Book of Revelation today, and I don't know how you all feel about the book of Revelation in terms of prophecy and stuff. Some people don't think America is in the book of Revelation. Some people think that America is symbolized by um, country or the, the nation called Babylon. Uh, I don't know, I was listening to a guy a couple weeks ago who who is making a pretty strong case that maybe Babylon represents America. Um, chapter 18 is where Babylon is completely destroyed. So,
1: yay!
0: Um, <laughs> I mean, like if you wanna read it sometimes, it's an encouraging read. Uh, Revelation chapter, it just starts off, the whole chapter is about the complete destruction. And, and, and I mean, this place, whatever, whatever Babylon represents in the book of Revelation, I don't really claim to know. But there are some interesting similarities between Babylon and modern day America. Uh, it, is, it is kind of interesting. For instance, uh, it, it says, let's see, in, in verse 2, uh, that this angel cry, cries out, says that she fell. Babylon's is represented as a woman. She fell, the great Babylon, and became a dwelling place of demons, a prison of every unclean spirit, a prison of every unclean bird, and so has been hated. For all the nations have drunk out of the wine of the wrath of her sexual immorality, or her fornication. The kings of the earth committed fornication, or sexual immorality, with her, and the merchants of the earth became rich because of the power of her sensuality. So Babylon's known for being sexually sensual, for being sexually immoral, and for incorporating and influencing other nations in that. She's also known for being a great um, trade nation uh, uh, during this time. Um, and then the kings of the earth, uh, they, uh, the, the kings of the earth in verse 9, um, they, they, they stand afar off because they lived sensually with her, and they weep and they mourn for her when they see the smoke of her burning, having stood from afar because of the fear of her torment, saying, whoa, whoa. The great city Babylon, the mighty city, for in one hour your judgment came. Now, up until recent weaponry, we, we wouldn't know of a way to eliminate a country within an hour, but that's interesting. Uh, the merchants of the earth also are weeping and mourning for her because no one is buying her cargo anymore, cargo of gold, cargo of silver, and it goes on to explain some of that. The merchants um, of these things, the ones having become rich from her, will stand from afar because of fear of her torment, weeping, and will say, woe. Woe to the great city, the one having been clothed with fine linen and purple and scarlet, having been adorned with gold, and every shipmaster, uh, everyone sailing to a place, and sailors, as many as trade by sea, stood afar and cried out, uh, What is like this great city? They throw dust on their heads and cry out, weeping and mourning, saying, Woe, woe to the great city, by which the ones having shipped have become so rich by her wealth. She has laid waste in one hour. Um, it's a sad chapter. It's just goes on and on about everybody lamenting. And then in chapter 19, verse 1. After these things, I heard as if it were a loud voice of a great multitude in heaven. Oh, this is good. We get to hear what heaven thinks about this. Saying, <laughs> exclamation point, hallelujah. Wow. Okay. Like this is just interesting to me. All of chapter 18 is Babylon's going down. People are desolated. People are uh, the dead are just scattered. I mean, it's just it's the smoke is just rising from this. And then John, the Holy Spirit says, "Hey, how about you check out what's going on in heaven?" And <laughs> they're shouting, "Hallelujah!" The salvation and the glory and the power is of our God for His judgments. Are true and just. Because he judged the great harlot who used to corrupt the earth with her fornication, and he avenged the blood of his servants because of her activity. And a second time they, they say, Hallelujah! And her smoke goes up and up forever and ever. That's a good worship song. I wonder if Michael W. <laughs> Smith would like to record that one. Hallelujah, her smoke goes up forever and ever. That's just that's that's a good chorus right there. But that's what they're singing. In heaven. And what, what strikes me is like, that's so odd to me. That's so unlike uh, what I would think heaven would be doing. you think heaven would be at least shedding a tear, at least mourning a little bit. It's like, man, it serves sure a bummer for all those people in Babylon. But no, heaven is rejoicing. Why? Because God was just. He executed justice. And I mean, you could, like, you could, you could just flip through the book of Revelation. Almost every time, almost every time that, that the angels or the 24 elders are singing, or like Moses right here in, in, in chapter 11, says we give thanks to the Lord God Almighty, the one being and the one who was and who is to come because you have taken your great power and you reigned. The nations were enraged, but your wrath came and the time of the dead to be judged, to give reward to your servants and to the prophets, to the holy ones and to the ones reverencing your name, to the small and to the great and to destroy the ones who morally ruined the earth. Yes. Like he's celebrating this. Like that, this, uh, chapter 11 is where, is, is where the seven trumpets are sounded. And they're not, necess- it's, not it's not good news for people. This is like, these, this to me, are, these, these are times of almost sadness. Chapter 15 is at the end of the plagues, which that was a, a joyful couple of chapters right there. And, 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 and here they sing, great and marvelous are your works, Lord. You are God Almighty. You are just and true The king of nations, who indeed shall not fear you, O Lord, and glorify your name, because you alone are holy. All the nations will come and bow before you because of your justice and your requirements, because of your righteous requirements have been made known. It's just like heaven values something that we don't necessarily value. Heaven values the justice of God. Heaven values uh, bad guys getting dealt with. I remember back when uh, Osama bin Laden was hunted down by those Navy SEALs, uh, like people, like Christians were like, oh, we shouldn't be celebrating this. And I, I, I just wondered about that. I said, well, like, should Moses be singing about the seven plagues, you know? <laughs> or like, you know, I mean, should we be celebrating about Babylon getting toasted and the smoke going up and up? I mean, like, at some level, like, God is for virtuous violence at some level god is for yeah. virtuous wrath at some level god is not afraid of executing judgment in fact god enjoys it because it brings him glory because his servants say wow who shall not fear you Amen. like you you warned them you provided a way for them to be saved they rejected you and you judged them you are awesome you know, I mean, even like when, 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 places in the Old Testament got torched and when God judged people in Ananias and Sapphira in the New Testament, God judges them instantly. And what does it do? It creates the fear of the Lord. Not, not that they're afraid of God, but that they reverence God because he is just what he says he will do. He does. Amen. He's not, he's not goofing around. He's not, he's not, he doesn't make idle threats. Right? Like, like, like the lady in H E B, you know, I'm going to leave you here if you don't come with me. She walks out, comes right back, you know. <laughs> you're definitely not leaving the kid, you know. We all know this. This isn't true. If you do, we're going to report you, right? So you might just stop. Just stop with the idle threats. Just do what you say you're going to do, you know. And, but God is like that. When God says, look, if, if you don't come to the count of three, you're going to spank."ing Like, that's what happens, right? God is just. God is, is just and justice is good. Justice is good. The, 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 the sort of wimpy God who just all, for the rest of heaven, just wants to snuggle up with us in a giant Snuggie on a couch and watch reruns of, of Nick at Night, you know, <laughs> leave it to Beaver. Like, that's not God. Like, he 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 executes judgment. He executes people. He, he deals with people. I mean, he created hell. And, 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 and it wasn't outside. Like, it, nobody made him do these things. And so, so just a couple of things I would like for us to understand about the justice of God. And I, I think we get it confused because we think about our own justice system. And so it's hard for us to translate that to God's justice system. Number one, um, God is different from our justice system in, in the sense of his particular office. So here in America, uh, we elect judges or we elect people who appoint judges. But either way, they're democratically elected. They, they're hired by us like they, and, and they work for us. Or at least they should, and that's that's their job. They are there to serve us. We have put them in a position of authority, um, but they are not. They don't get to do whatever whatever they want. They have to execute the law. And so, if you have you know a man who is a judge, he's up there with the gavel, and his son comes in, and his son is accused of murder, uh, the dad is going to want to just let him go because it's it's his son. But the law requires that he uh, turns a blind eye to what he wants, and instead he does what the law tells him to do. He's obligated to the law because he's accountable to the people. He's accountable to you and me, and if we don't like the way that he rules things, the way that he judges, then we will not elect him again, or we'll elect somebody who will get him out of there. He'll lose his job because he's working for us. We are paying his salary, and, and, and he's accountable to us. And so we have, a, we have a check and a balance system, which really all rulers throughout... The Earth, regardless of what kind of government, even even a monarchy or a socialistic government, they, they only rule at the consent of their people. Uh, you know, because the ruling class is so small and the people, the general public is so large that if the general public wanted to, say, I don't know, kick England out of this country, uh, you know, July the fourth, you know, you can decide to do that because the ruling class is so tiny in every country. Uh, the elite is always like the 1%. And so uh, if, if, if the people can band together, they can um, take away their consent and this person's no longer ruling. Well, it's, it's, it's different with God because, number one, God is not ruling by consent. He doesn't, he doesn't rely on our consent. He doesn't need our consent. And the whole world can come together and decide that God is just a loser and we're going to get rid of him. And we could not do that because <laughs> we didn't we didn't we didn't vote him in, we can't vote him out. So he is not working for us. Actually, scripture says everything he's done is for himself. In Colossians, it says that everything was created um, through Christ, by Christ, for Christ. So everything is about him. He's not, he's not working for us. We don't pay his salary, we don't, we don't, we don't keep him in office. And really, uh, he is not there to serve us. He is there to glorify himself. He's there to serve himself. Because that's the only right person who ought to be served is him. And so because of that, he's in a different position than regular judges, but he also has a different set of values. And so if a if, if typical judge has his son come in who's accused of murder, and they have a videotape of of him murdering somebody in cold blood, they have his fingerprints, they have a confession... Uh, you know, I mean, it's a, it's, it's closed, it's done case, then that judge has to rule him as guilty, even though he doesn't want to. And so probably with tears running down his face, he'll pronounce the sentence. And I think a lot of times that's the way that we think of God. It's like there's this outside, like, well, like I've heard people say, well, you know, I, I know God has to be just. <laughs> Anytime you say God has to be like anything, that's already a wrong statement, I mean, I know what you mean, but you're comparing him to like our judges who want to do one thing, but I really have this, 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 this rule of law that I got to keep. But God's not like that. God doesn't have to do anything. God God doesn't have any exterior force that is acting upon him because if he did, then that force would be greater than him because he's submitting to that. So everything God does, he entirely 100% wants to do. And in fact, that's what justice is, what God wants. So, like, God doesn't abide by a particular moral code. What God wants has been translated to us as a particular moral code. Does that make sense? So God is not against murder because he decided one day that that was bad for people. God is against murder because he hates murder. And so that has been passed down to us as a moral code. Murder is wrong. And it's only wrong because God doesn't like it. And so in a very real sense, justice is, is perfectly defined as what God wants. And uh, to go even more philosophical with it, the reason why God is totally just and doing exactly what he wants is because he's made everything. If you, you know, like uh, a couple Sundays ago, I asked you to, to imagine a sunset in your mind. Yeah, if you imagine, that's about as close to something that you might own that I can think. I can't think of much more. Your, your own imagination, okay, your thought. If I come up to you and say that sunset is wrong, like, who am I to say that? That's in your mind. That's your imagination. And you can change that sunset. You can add mountains. You can take away birds. You can add a few seagulls if you want. Like, that is totally in your mind. You have complete control over that. Right now, while you're in a, 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 a mental, mentally healthy state of mind, you have complete control of that. And so nobody's going to blame you for changing your thought or changing your mind on that particular issue. In the same way, nobody can blame God for doing whatever he wants to do with what he's made. He made us. He made this world. He chose the day you were going to be born. He chose your parents. He chose your eye color. He chose, he chose, he chose the day of your death. He already knew exactly which... Thing. Uh, I mean, he, he created a place for a man, then he put man and woman there, and then he allowed sin to enter into the world and, and, and mar his creation, then he created a path of salvation with, for people to come back to him. And all of this has gone on completely in his control. Completely uh, with, 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 with his watchful eye, and he's in charge. And so he's perfectly just when he announces judgment. And I think some of the ways that we... Uh, abuse the judgment of God the justice of God is whenever we judge his justice (laughs) whenever we judge his justice whenever we say well how can a just God whatever fill in that blank what you're doing is you're saying I have this sense of justice and it doesn't line up with God's sense of justice therefore God must not be just Um, no that just means you're not just (laughs) because God's always just um, but I think I think we can do that even even in the church. Normally we don't do that very often, but I think even in church we can we can question the justice of God, especially when it comes to um, to ourselves. Uh, I was talking to Emilio. Emilio's not here because he's at First Wednesday Worship in Promise Land tonight. But um, I was talking to Emilio about I, would, I would really like to do a sermon on on forgiveness. Um, I want to want to preach on forgiveness at some point. So I was asking him about that, and he said that he felt like most people really need to forgive themselves mm-hmm. and uh, first, you know. And uh, I I I sense that. I agree with that. I see that. I see people beating themselves up a lot. Um, and so, um, just to wrap this up, I have a scripture uh, for you: First Corinthians four, uh, verse three through four. Paul says, um, and this is a pretty. Interesting statement. He says, I care very little if I'm judged by you or any human court. Indeed, I don't even judge myself. My conscience is clear, but that does not make me innocent. (laughs) It is the Lord who judges me. Sometimes like um, we have a hard time forgiving ourselves, or we say that. So we, we sin in the past. We have a hard time forgiving ourselves for that. We hold ourselves accountable for that. But as I was talking to Emilio, I said, well, you know, how do we forgive others? Well, someone has, has committed something against us. Forgiveness or pardon is really a justice word. And so we pardon them. In other words, we're not going to make them pay for what they did. We're going to release them from the, the consequences. of What they did, we're going to release them from that. And we have the power to do that because they sinned against us, because they offended us. They did something wrong to us. We have the power to release them. But what does it say when you won't release yourself? When you sinned against God, but you won't release yourself. What does that say? It, it, it says that you think you have the power to release yourself. <laughs> it, because you have the power to release other people because they sinned against you. But when you've sinned against God, how come God doesn't have the power to release you? Like, how come you have taken that position? How come you've taken the throne or the judgment? See, over yourself. And this is what Paul says. He says, I don't even judge myself. And you know why it's good that Paul doesn't judge himself? He explains. He says, he says, it's not that my conscience, you know, I am keeping track of my conscience. I am trying to live with a clear conscience. But the truth is, with stuff in my past, I don't even judge myself because of two things. Number one, I know I can be too harsh on myself. And I can be too lenient on myself. <laughs> I can do both of those things really within the same day. I can be too harsh on myself, and then I can excuse myself for all this other stuff. And Paul says, so I've gotten off of the judgment seat of my life. I do check my conscience. I do check to make sure that I'm walking with God, that I'm being obedient to Him. But I've gotten down, I've set down the gavel of my life. Now, of other people who've sinned against me, I'm there to forgive them and release them. But it is not up to me to release myself. Because it was never up to me to judge myself. He says, it is the Lord who judges me. Yeah. And if it is the Lord who judges me, then it is the Lord who can pardon me. And if the Lord has pardoned me, then who am I to come in and say that he did a poor job of that? Amen. You know what I mean? Amen. That's good. And so that's, that's, what, that's, that's what it comes down to as far as the justice of God. Who are we to say that he's done a poor job of any of his judgments? Who are we to say that he, that Babylon, that he did a poor job with Babylon? <laughs> or if Babylon represents America, who are we? There's, there's a certain amount of faith that really you have to have when it comes to the justice of God. Just like a certain amount of faith you have to have with the love of God. And, and, and part of that faith is understanding that God is so unlike us, that he's not loving and just. Or like loving as well as just. He is lovingly just. He is both at the same time. He doesn't have to set aside one to do the other. For us, we do. When we, get, when we discipline our children, we don't feel the same gooey, warm fuzzies that we do when we're reading bedtime stories to them. <laughs> we have to shift gears. We have to put on a different hat, so to speak. But not for God. His one God hat is all of it. It's all the, all the time, and so every bit of love that he shows us, he's being completely just, and that's why Jesus had to come and die, so that he could justly forgive us, and justly cleanse us, and justly save us, so that even, in, even when he accepts us as sinners, he's not being unjust. Because of Jesus, which that's a whole other night. You've got to get into the, the redemption of the justice seen in the redemption of the cross. But, but even, even in his mercy, he's just. Because look what Jesus went through. So, um, those are some thoughts on justice. Lord, we, we worship you for your justice tonight, and we thank you for your word. And we receive it. We receive uh, the fact that you're just, and loving, and merciful. And gracious, and strong. That Jesus actually uh, is is worshipped in Hebrews for loving justice and hating lawlessness. That you you love to see evil people punished and good people rewarded. You are just. And even though our world currently is not just, Lord, we thank you that you are just and that we are racing. We are racing toward the fulfillment of all things, the closure of all things, when you are going to wrap it all up. Mm-hmm. And in that closure, <laughs> justice is going to be served. And we are going to live with you forever in a place that is just. Mm-hmm. In a place where, where crookedness, crooked politicians, crooked cops, crooked uh, government authorities mm-hmm. do not exist. There is no crooked leadership in heaven. There's no, there's no there's no crooked anything there's, there's there's no bullies there's there's no injustice there's no in, inequality in heaven there's no racial division there's no age discrimination there's 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 no prejudice <laughs> in heaven because you are ultimately just everything you do everything you create is originally created with justice in mind and so our heart looks for that, our heart waits for that, our heart longs for that. Mm-hmm. Yes. Even the injustice of death. Uh, that's, that's the sting of death, is the injustice of it. People, good people, mm-hmm. pass away too early. Good people, and not so good people, live a long time. Mm-hmm. And So we see a lot of injustice here, and that just makes us long for heaven even more. Mm-hmm it makes us love you even more. You are so different. (laughs) You are so unique from all the other gods of this world that are shaped and molded after the people who worship them and are just as unjust as the people who created them. But you, you are perfectly just. And so we, we worship you for that. We elevate you for that. All of your ways are true. Everything you decide is right. Everything you want is the perfectly best way that it could possibly be. Everything you say is is true. There's no shadow of of turning. There's no shadow of deception. There's no bait and switch. You are completely honest, completely transparent, completely yourself. You have no need to impress. (laughs) And yet you are impressive. And so we worship you for that. We pray for your strength. Help us to trust you as our judge. Pride wants to judge ourselves because we would like always to put ourselves in your position. Flesh would like nothing more. And so help us to step down from the, the podium of our own courtroom and allow you to take your rightful place. You judge us, Lord. You search us. You, you, you search our conscience, Lord. You search our heart. See if there's any wicked way in us. See if there's any rebellion in us. See if there's any hint of of sexual immorality. See if there's any hint of of lying and deception. See if there's any uh, reliance on what other people think. See if there's any love of self and love of money and love of gain and and love of this world. Lord, just go ahead and be our judge. Throw the gavel down on us and, and, and be harsh where we are so soft on ourselves. And be soft where we are so harsh on ourselves. We choose the easiest thing to be hard on ourselves about. But you look at the heart, you look at the why, and you know. And so be our judge, come come stand in, in our courtroom and speak to us. Ultimately, we know that your desire is to declare us innocent, declare us right with you and righteous and just in your sight. And so make us that way, purify us, Lord, in Jesus' name.